You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Lee beforehand, uh, Chester is actually the last place we went on holiday. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we came to the Hilton Hotel, took the kids to the Chester Zoo and uh, just absolutely living the dream. We actually think uh, that in that time we had COVID. You know, like I know there's all these people out there, you know, all oh, they reckon they had, it, but we had really bad coughs and Facebook proves it because I put a post up November of that year saying I've had a really bad cough for a month. Does anyone know how to solve it? We, ha- we had COVID, right? So I'm just putting that out there. Chester experienced our COVID. But how good it is to be in church free of COVID today. And uh, all, all, all the restrictions are in place and everyone's safe and it's so good. feels a little bit like we're cheating. Anybody, you know, like real people, real faces, human beings. It's a little bit like we're cheating, but we're following all the guidelines. And it's just one of the blessings of being a part of the house of the Lord. Um, as Lee said, my wife and I, we're the young adults pastors in our central campus. Uh, we haven't really done much yet, though. Uh, we, we took that on six months ago and haven't met once as a young adult community. But tonight is the night, which I'm so pumped about in, uh, in Manchester. We're having a young adult service tonight. There's about 170 people booked in and we are pumped for that. And uh, so, uh, so, yeah, excited to be here and excited to share uh, the continuation of this series, Jesus Plus, now, if you've been to any of the weeks of this series uh, that we've been doing over recent weeks, let me know. Have you been enjoying it? I know you have to feel like you have to say that, but I don't know about you, but I feel like this has been a much needed series in not only the life of our church, but in my life too. Uh, You know, uh, often as humans, we can go through seasons that change how we think. And if there was ever a season to really affect how we think and how we live, it's the season we have been through and continue to go through. So I don't know about you, but I have found this series to be like a uh, refreshing checkup from the neck up, uh, reminding me of the way I think and how to think uh, because it's so important because ultimately how we think is how we live. And so this scripture that we've been going through, this book that we've been going through has been bringing us back to the true form of the gospel. And that has been so good for the soul. And I want to continue that on this morning, uh, looking at Galatians chapter five. And we'll get into that in a minute. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you a question. uh, And that is, have you ever swore That's not the question. Uh, Have you ever swore that you would never make the same mistake again? You know, like you make a mistake, you do something wrong and you, you, you commit, I am never making that mistake again and then find yourself in a, spa, in a spot where you do that same thing again and you say, oops, I did it again. I've been there, right? Uh, I wanted to, uh, I used to be a youth pastor when I, I was uh, younger and uh, my church didn't have the money to pay for me. So I managed to get 250 pounds a month worth of funding. So I went full time on 250 pound a month. Uh, you know, inflation has been hard on us, right? Uh, those are the good days. And uh, I, but I got to a point where I had a, a child at the age of 24 and I realized that passion don't pay the bills, right? I needed to go out there, get a job uh, and, and do something. And so I went and I became an estate agent. 
oh, I know, contentious. Uh, don't throw rotten fruit at me. Yeah, I was one of the good guys, right? I told the truth, you know. I maybe exaggerated, you know. It's a five-bedroom house when it was a one-bedroom flat. But, you know, otherwise I told the truth. And, uh, but I got into a little bit of a habit, though, of, um, of being a little bit over-exuberant with my uh, booking of viewings to see houses. Because I was a young guy. I was passionate. I was motivated. I wanted to, uh, you know, make some money so that I could uh, then use that money to do something with my life and actually, uh, you know, spend my time in church. And so I was kind of like, the quicker I can kind of build up a good income and do something with that, the quicker I can get to doing something I'm actually passionate about. And so I would go in, I was motivated, I want to get sales. I wasn't there to have fun. I wasn't there for the banter. I was like a real fun guy, right? I wanted to make some sales, baby. And, uh, and so I remember a few times when I would get into the habit of basically booking a viewing on a house, even though uh, the vendor, the seller of the house, hadn't yet approved that booking. I know, scandalous, right? Uh, I, I remember one time I couldn't get hold of them. But I looked on the file and we had keys. Uh, I'm like, I had a hot buyer, so I'm taking them around. If you know the sales kind of world, if, if, if I don't take them around, somebody else is going to take them around and get the sales. So baby, I'm taking them around. And so I, I went and got the keys and took them around and uh, the house was in absolute state and the owner phoned me up when I got back and said, you know, I can't believe you went around the house when it was like that, never do it again. And, and then another time I did it and I took some around the house and their dog was on the loose. This is quite a big dog. And, uh, and I took a, like a six, seven-year-old girl, uh, like with her mum, obviously. not. <laughs> or was taking a six-year-old, do you want to buy this house? You know, I was desperate for sales any way I could. <laughs> uh, I took the mum and the daughter came along and, and the dog kind of like jumped up on the daughter, you know, was really excited and, you know, stayed on top of the daughter for a long time. And I was just, you know, just a really bad moment still scarred me to this day, let alone her, bless her. And, uh, and I swore I'd never do it again, right? I'm always going to check with the owner. I'm not, I'm not just going to assume. They told us they got keys and we can go around, but I'm always going to double check. But there was this one time. Uh, where we had this house, it was, a, it was a bungalow, and we'd had it on the books for so long, right? It was so long that I, I remember to this day how much it was. It was 279950, three-bed bungalow. I can remember the look of it, the smell of it. I was going to say the taste of it, but that would be really weird. Uh, I can remember what it smelled like when I walked in. It, it, we'd had it on for so long, and then one day I had someone come in, said, I want a three-bed bungalow in this area, and I said, I, do, I know just the place for you. Tried to get hold of the owner. I couldn't get hold of them. My boss had told me I really shouldn't be taking people around without getting permission first, but that they want to sell their house right. I want to sell the house for them. Come on, let's make this work. And so I took them around, much to my uh, demise. I took them around, and I began to show them through the house, and then got to the back of this bungalow and I began to hear some running water and I'm like that's strange there's no one here there's no car in the drive I phoned the house phone number there was no one here I'm sure it's just like a drain pipe leaking out the back and so we begin to go through the back of the house and then we get to the bathroom some of you are clicking where this is going and that's exactly where this is going and I began to just tell them about oh you're gonna love the bathroom it's amazing and as I flung open the door they didn't love the bathroom because there stood the owner of the house in the shower and that was the running water and I felt like in that moment oops I did it again <laughs> but I'm sure you know this morning I'm not the only one who's ever got into a moment where you feel like oh man I made that mistake again uh, and for you, maybe it wasn't such a silly example. Maybe for you, it's a painful example. Like you've been going so well with your finances, but the last 12 months have been such a rocky journey that you find yourself getting into debt again. You said, I, I swore I'd never be here again, but oh man, I find myself here again. 
Maybe you're a parent and you've been struggling through, as we all have been uh, struggling through the homeschooling seasons and looking after kids and trying to do a job and trying to manage all of those things and got angry with the kids because you can't help them with Pythagoras' theorem because as soon as you learn it, you forgot it and nobody ever needs that again, right? And, and you get angry with them. You swear, I'm never going to do that again. But then the next day, Pythagoras' theorem comes right back at you and gets you angry again. Maybe you're someone who's just swore, you know, I'm never going to get angry. I'm never going to say those words again. I'm never going to visit that website again. But somehow in a, a moment of weakness, you find yourself back in that place of making that same mistake that you keep on making. And you feel like that sense of shame and disappointment. And you're in that moment of saying, I did it again. I want to let you know this morning, church, uh, that the good news of the gospel uh, says that it's not about whether you're doing a good job, but it's about the fact that Jesus has already done a complete job on the cross and given his life for you. The book that we're studying this month, the book of Galatians, is a reminder from the Apostle Paul to the people of Galatia. He, he wants to bring them back to the truth of the gospel. When they start trying to prove themselves, when they start trying to earn their way to God, Paul brings them back and says, hey, hey come on now, guys, it's about following Jesus. Jesus plus is the name of this series because when you add anything to Jesus, you actually take away from who Jesus is. And we want to make sure we get our eyes focused on the gospel of Jesus. And so I'm going to share a verse with you in chapter 5, a few verses with you from chapter 5 in Galatians. And hopefully it's going to be encouraging for you today, church, because you can know I am far from alone in my struggles. I am far from alone in my frustrations. In fact, there is great encouragement for us in the Word of God. And it starts like this in chapter 5 and verse 1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Like if you just came to church, I was hearing this morning about some of you guys that drive an hour to be here, an hour and a half to be here. Like firstly, hats off to you. Secondly, if you took that drive just to hear those words this morning, I wanna tell you, it was worth the petrol in the tank. It was worth the time on the road because it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Just those words alone is worth coming to church for. How freeing those words are. Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, i.e. try to be saved by keeping an outward law, then Christ will actually be of no value to you at all. Scary words. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised and is obligated to obey, he is then obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And Paul then uh, kind of, you can hear his frustration coming across. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You, my brothers and sisters, uh, sorry, it goes on to verse 13 then. Uh, you, my brothers and sisters were called to be free. You weren't designed to be bound up. You weren't designed to be restricted. You were actually called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire Lord law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. 
Listen, if you are here in this place and you feel like you are back in old ways, you've stumbled again, you've faced those same old frustrations, I wanna let you know if you're in this place and you're saying the title of the message today, oops, I did it again. I wanna know that there, I want you to know that there is encouragement for you in this passage of scripture. Paul, he's, he brings people back. In, in verse seven there, he said that you were running a good race. What happened? Who cut in on you? You, you were doing so well. You were following Jesus. You, were, you knew that he was the answer to your challenges, yet here you come back to your old ways of thinking that you can climb a ladder towards God, thinking that more prayer is one step up and then more attending church events is another step up and then reading the Bible is another step up closer to God. Why are you thinking that way when all that matters is that you follow Jesus? We don't do those things to get to Jesus. We do those things because we love Jesus. They kept trying to attain their freedom through good works and they lost sight of everything the gospel teaches and Paul is attempting in these few verses to bring them back like I hope this morning. It brings a few of you back if you feel like you're struggling, you're stumbling, you find yourself in a spot of challenge this morning that the Word of God would bring you back to the truth that it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. A few quick things uh, that I wanna pull out today before we, before we go home and have some lunch and, uh, and really get into a good week. My hope this morning is not just that I would preach a good message, but actually that you would be able to take some clear steps with this tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday to live a better life. The first thing I wanna pull out from this real briefly is that freedom, the freedom that Christ died for, this kind of freedom, this freedom understands grace. This freedom understands grace. Grace. Paul said here in verse one, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not for any other reason. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. He didn't set you free just so that you could be in prison. He didn't set you free just so you could struggle with that same old stuff. He set you free so you could experience freedom. However, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, uh, Paul's frustration was that these people, they had a propensity to come back to rules over relationship. There was a bunch of Jewish Christians at the time that they had encountered Jesus, but they were kind of trying to integrate the Jewish law with this life of following Jesus. And they said, you know, it's not enough to follow Jesus. You need to add some things to it, Jesus plus, and then you're really gonna know true freedom and holiness. And Paul is bringing them back and saying, hey, no, that's a yoke of slavery upon your life. That's the old mindset that says you need to attain freedom in God. No, no, he's already provided it for you. It says it's for freedom that Christ has has set you free. Price has already been paid. It's yours to have right now. And these people kept coming back into that same situation, ultimately saying, oops, I, I did it again. I'm in that same spot again. And Paul here is trying to, uh, is trying to address this frustration. You know, I've come to realise recently that uh, in its own strength, my memory is awful. Uh, I can't begin to tell you how many uh, key family birthdays I've missed. You know, even my mum a couple of years ago, I know, I'm ashamed to admit it, I forgot my mother's birthday. I say I forgot, right? But here's the thing, my mum's birthday is on July the 1st, I think. And, uh, but I, I was sure it was on July the 31st. But then I'm not even sure if there is a 31st of July because there's like some kind of song to remember which months have which days, but I don't even remember that, right? But I forgot my mum's birthday. And so I'm, I'm trying to work on, on my memory. And they say that your memory is like a muscle. The more that you work it, the stronger it gets. And so I've been watching this brain training guy and he, one of the little things he says that you can do in the morning 
to get your brain activated is you can actually brush your teeth with uh, your weak hand. You know, I'm right-handed, and so I would brush my teeth with my right hand every morning uh, when I remember. Uh, and I would brush my teeth, and I would just go through the motions, right? Because I've, uh, I'm 33 years, see, there you go again. I'm 33 years old, and, uh, and I've brushed my teeth for 30-odd years with my right hand, and I've got these like, neuro pathways, and I just know exactly what to do. And I don't even have to think about it. Like all of us, when we get in the car, if you've been driving a few years, you can go on a journey and hardly even think about what you're doing in the car because you're so used to driving that car. And so when you brush your teeth with your other hand, you should try it, right? In the morning, you're like, you actually have to think about it. And my brain gets activated because how, how we are as humans is that we can so easily get ourselves in what's called a rut. A rut, and the term getting in a rut or stuck in a rut comes from the days when a horse would drag a carriage and that carriage would have like heavy metal thin wheels and as it would be driven through the mud, it would create deeper and deeper tracks in that mud so that if a carriage was coming behind it and following the line, it would continue to make it deeper and deeper so that the carriage at the back, if it wanted to course correct and go in a different direction, it would find it very difficult because those wheels were kind of like encased by these walls of mud and they couldn't easily get out of them and so what needed to happen to get that carriage out is like the horse would need to bolt in one direction really fast and kind of rip the carriage out of the rut yet here's what we try and do uh, as Christians is we try and edge our way out of uh, out of our situation we try and edge our way out of our shame like oh I messed up but you know if I just pray a little bit more tomorrow I'm just going to pray a little bit more I'm going to read my Bible I'm going to edge my way out of this situation when actually what, what you don't need is to edge your way out is you need an encounter with the Holy Spirit what you need is a breakthrough that comes from Jesus Christ what you need is to experience a dramatic shift in your life where you realize that this isn't about what I do it's about what he has already done we see it time and time again in uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament in the Bible. Uh, I love this passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 6 where God is bringing the, the Israelites, God's chosen nation, out of Egypt. They spent many generations in Egypt in slavery, in horrendous conditions, and God brings them out. And when He does, He gives them these four promises. And I was always uh, you know, uh, amazed at these promises because the first thing He says is, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. But then the second thing is, I'm going to get you out of slavery. I'm going to get you out of Egypt and then I'm going to free you from slavery. And I was reading that thinking like, it's the same thing, right? They're slaves in Egypt, but God specifically says twice, I'm going to get you out and then also I'm going to get it out of you. See, it's, so, it's one thing to, to actually be set free. It's another thing to then live free. It's one thing to get, uh, get out of being a slave. It's another thing to get that slave mentality out of you. And we so often as Christians, we can uh, feel like we've been set free. We know we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. Yet I feel imprisoned. I feel like I'm still so stuck in my old ways of living. And what we do in response is we try and edge our way out. We try and do it in our own strength. We try and be good enough, do enough service, do enough good works and hope that God is going to forgive us and set us free. But it's not about us being able to get our way to heaven. Heaven's already come down to earth. The grace of God is sufficient for you and I. Freedom understands grace. Many, I'm sure, have heard the tale of, uh, of an elephant when they were born. Uh, it was at one stage in, somewhere in the world that a kind of a test was carried out on an elephant, a baby elephant, where a stake was put into the ground and a piece of rope was strung around its leg and tied to that stake. And as a baby elephant, it didn't have the strength or the power to be able to break free 
from that stake in the ground, but as elephants do, it grew to be a gigantic beast of an animal, but yet it still remained trapped by this tiny bit of string and stick in the ground, not because it couldn't get free physically, but because it couldn't get free in its mind. Because it's one thing to have the ability to be free, it's another thing to actually step into that freedom. It's, another, it's one thing to be set free, it's another thing to actually live free. And God's intention for your life, His plan for you, is not just that you get set free in a moment and then struggle for the rest of your life. His plan for you is that you would get set free, but then continue to walk in that freedom. See, one is a daytime. One is, a, one is a one-time thing. One is a one-time situation. Yeah, God, I, I give my life over to you. The other thing is a continual walking out of his plan for your life. Yet what we so often do, like the people that Paul is talking to in this book of Galatians, is that we try and do it in our own strength. But true freedom understands it is about grace. When we try and live out this freedom in our own strength, how much we pray, our weekly sin tally, how good we've been, we, we place ourselves under that same yoke of slavery that Paul is talking about in this verse. A a yoke being like a restrictive, it would be something that would kind of like uh, tie two donkeys together so they could plow a field. It was restrictive so that they had to do things a certain way. This, This restrictive thing of slavery that can be put on your life, Paul is saying, no, free that up, get that off your life because that is not God's plan for you. Second thing, real quick, uh, is that freedom rejects Jesus plus. Freedom rejects the notion completely that if you add anything to Jesus, then it's going to be beneficial to you. Verse 2, it says, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised or if you try to be saved by keeping this law, this outward thing, this uh, show of what you're trying to do and do it in your own strength, then Christ will be of no value to you. Oh, man, what scary words to think that our relationship with Christ could be of no value to us. But ultimately, that's what happens when we try and make our own salvation happen. When we try and do things in our own strength, when we try and live in our own ability, not drawing upon His grace, we actually make the work of the cross of no value because it wasn't just meant to make us feel good. It was meant The verse says, to set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And ultimately, the truth is this, that when we try to add to Jesus, we actually end up subtracting from Jesus. There's nothing in our doing that we can do to ever be saved. All is all about Jesus. And I get it, right? it's a challenge because you want to be in control. I don't know if there's any parents here and you feel like you're a bit of a control freak parent. I'm definitely a control freak parent. When my son Josh, he was just younger than three, I was in sole responsibility for him. Tragedy is about to happen, you know it. And he was jumping on the bed at home, fell off the bed, put his arms down first to, to sort of stop his fall and broke his arm his forearm, and it wasn't just like a fracture, it was like a zigzag arm. And I've got a picture for you right now. No, I'm just joking. You'd, you'd throw up, honestly, it was just horrendous. I, <coughs> I saw him uh, fall off the bed. He didn't really make much of a cry. He was just like, ow. And I kind of like, oh, okay, buddy, picked him up. Oh, my days. Oh, you know, I was just freaking out. And, uh, you know, it was crazy, right? But I think because of that now, I, I'm such a control freak as a parent. Uh, you know, he's at the age now where he could be playing out with his friends. But, you know, A, we live in Salford, so I don't want him to get shot. Uh, and B, you know, I'm just like a control freak, right? Uh, I'm just like, man, I, I just want to be able to put him in cotton wool and him never, ever get harmed. But what I'm realizing is that times in our life, we need to take our hands off the wheel. And what we want to do, not just with our kids, but with our own lives too, is we want to have ultimate control, especially in a season like we've been through 
right? Everything we thought we had control over has been brought into question. What we thought was secure is not secure anymore. And, uh, and we feel like we want to get control over things. So we place our hands back on the steering wheel and say, God, it's okay, I, I got it for a minute. I'm just going to forge my own way here. But God says, no, 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 it's not about you having control. It's about understanding that I've already done everything you need for you. One of these days, we're all going to be driving cars that drive for us you know, a Tesla or whatever it may be, but they're going to have autopilot. And there's going to be that scary moment where you hit autopilot and you're going to take your hands off the wheel. That's going to be a scary moment because I'm going to have to trust that this thing is taking me in the right direction. It's going to keep me safe. But how many of you know there's incredible blessing when you place your trust in that I'm going to be able to drive down to see my family in Sussex for five hours drive and I'm going to be able to read a book, baby. I'm going to be able to talk to my kids. I'm going to be able to watch a movie. How good is that experience going to be? But none of it's possible if I want to keep my hands on the wheel. And God has so much for you. Honestly, He has things for you beyond your wildest dreams. But the only way you can ever see them happen is in your life is if you say, God, I'm going to take my hands off the wheel and I'm going to let you be in charge. God, I know that you have a plan for my life and I trust you with it because true freedom, it rejects this notion of Jesus plus. This idea that we can add things to Jesus and make it more secure. We can add things to our relationship with Jesus to make us feel better. No, no, friend, you don't need to add anything to Jesus. He's already everything you need. Father God, I just pray this morning for every single person that's in this place. Lord, I thank You for Your Word where You said it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And God, we do draw on that this morning that that God, we may feel in a place where we have made the mistake again. We find ourselves back in that moment of frustration. We find ourselves in a place of shame and regret. But God, I thank You for Your Holy Spirit right now to be poured out upon Your people a true sense of peace and that we would all be reminded that you've already done everything that's needed on the cross. It's not about what we do, whether we've been good or bad, but God, our salvation is secured in our relationship with you. God, I pray that hope would flood hearts. God, that encouragement would lift people up. Where mistakes have been made, people would encounter your grace this morning, ready to experience you in an altogether new way this week. Father, encourage people, I pray. Set people free, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 